Warning, the Spark and Mini Movie Review contains adult language, mature situations, 80s pop culture nostalgia, book-to-movie comparisons, and slight spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Spark and Mini Movie Review, Ready Player One. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Mini Movie Review, the podcast where we talk about new movies that just came out, and we tell you a little bit about it. We don't go too spoilery into it, we don't talk too much about the plot, we just tell you the basics on how it was based on initial reactions. I'm your host, Zan, and with me today is... Greta! Yes, we are here in Boston, getting ready for Anime Boston, which is going to be a blast. We've got five panels this weekend, and if you are going to Anime Boston and you are going to check it out, I highly recommend you go. And I'll just blurb it a little bit. I'm a little tired. It's been a long day, hasn't it? A little bit. Yeah. We went exploring today, and then to end the day, because we got our panel badges, we got all of our stuff ready to go, we decided to go see the premiere of Ready Player One, the adaptation of the book by Ernest Cline that was directed by Steven Spielberg and starred Ty Sheridan, Olivia Cook, Ben Mendelsohn, T.J. Miller, Simon Pegg, and Mark Rellins. And I've got to say, I was surprised. I went in with somewhat low expectations because the trailers well looked kind of cool i thought there would be the movie was going to be a hatchet job of the book and it's actually a very interesting adaptation of the story they took a lot of liberties with what they did do you agree well, well you didn't read the book so what did you I think i did not about? read the book i cheated but you know i feel confident in saying the movie is never as good as the book uh i think that's like a good hard and fast rule in general but uh, I went in with some pretty low expectations. Some of the previews looked kind of sad, kind of depressing. I wasn't feeling like starting off a Boston anime with like convention with like a sad, sad movie. But um, I have to say, I clapped at the end. I liked it. I enjoyed. You were the one that started the clap, which did. is the funniest part of all. You're welcome. End of the end yes. of the movie. She starts clapping. Everyone else starts clapping. So we did have a blast with it. Now, if you have not read or heard of Ready Player One yet, one, you are completely Late under to the game. a rock. Yep. But to explain the story, it's this. In the future, there is an artificial or augmented reality called the Oasis. That's where everyone's living now because the future is shit. People are living in horrible situations. They live in things like the stacks, which are... Trailers on top of trailers on top of trailers, and there's hundreds of people who are overpopulation, overcrowding, not enough resources, so people are escaping into the Oasis. There's artificial VR where you could do anything, be anything, you make money through the Oasis, and you could live like a king. So what happened was the creator of the Oasis, James Holiday, died. And when he died, he left a message saying, whomever can find my Easter egg will get all of my money and control of the Oasis. So... Everybody is trying to hunt down this Easter egg. And for five years, no one's been able to do it. Enter in our main character, Percival, a.k.a. Wade Watts. And he is going to save the day. He is going to kick ass and protect the Oasis from the evils of the IOI Corporation, which is led by Nolan Sorrento, who is a douchebag. Evil, evil businessman who's not techie, knows nothing about video games. Nothing about... 80s nostalgia because the Nothing. hints to the no. Oasis and more importantly to the Easter egg are all 80s nostalgia and this film is chock full of 80s nostalgia, 90s nostalgia, 2000s nostalgia and also there are so many Easter eggs in this film itself. It is a 
beautiful, just a wonder to look at. I want to see this again just to see what did I miss this time or that time because let's just be honest, it is a very visually beautiful film and we saw it in IMAX and I got to say it was worth watching in IMAX because it is I feel like we should plug this stunning. theater because this theater was awesome too. Well, we were at the Boston Commons AMC, which is a really good theater, but I gotta say, the movie was visually stunning, I think. It was... They paid for their money, and it's a nice contrast to the real world and the Oasis. And it wasn't... It, you know, a lot of IMAX movies can be a little nauseating. Like, you get a little... Like, it spins around. I was a little nervous with, like, virtual reality. You're gonna see it in IMAX. I'm gonna get, like, motion sickness. But it was beautiful. Start to finish, even the depressing, creepy real world was... Well done. And you thought that the real world would detract from the film. It doesn't detract from the film at all. It actually makes you appreciate the film more, especially with the message of the book and the film, which is you need to go out sometimes too, you nerd, which is the basic. Also, I, I liked the little message in there about, you know, be careful who you trust online. Yeah, which... Uh, I kind of like that, you know... Yes, uh... Subtle spoiler: One of the characters who is Wade's or Parsifal's best friend. Doesn't give it out that much. Uh, the trailer gives it away. Unfortunately, he's this big burly guy in the Oasis whose name is Arch or H, which you see, and he's supposedly actually really handsome, very charismatic, and they make him big like a, burly. You just well, know they he's make a him. A, they make him a badass in this one, but you. But the reveal is that in reality... I mean, he could have... I, and in my mind, I was picturing him like he was this big kind of badass. He was either going to be like some kind of college football player or chubby little like preteen. It was like, for me, it, in my head, it was one or the other. They actually got me on this surprise. And the truth is that H is actually a black lesbian. Helen. His name is Helen. I wish they kept the original initial thing in the book. In the book, they actually meet up. And he's like, uh, so this isn't what you're expecting, was it? He's like, I didn't think you were black. It wasn't the fact he was a woman. It was, I didn't think you were black, because he acts like such a white guy. And yeah, it, but I didn't get the white guy, though. It, they made it more like, they made it more. Again, I did not read the book. The movie did I'm some interesting changes because of the properties they couldn't get a hold of. But there was a lot of properties they did have a hold of, and there's a lot that you see. There are some great visuals. They have Mecha Godzilla in it. They have a Gundam in it. They have Chucky. They have the DeLorean. They have Kaneda's bike from Akira. The they have the movie. Iron Giant. They have Gears of War. They have Halo. They have so much stuff. It is just I mean... awe-inspiring. Now, the actors themselves, I think they did a very good job. Yeah. T.J. Miller stole the show, and you don't even see T.J. Miller. You just hear his voice, and he's playing a new character that was not in the book, and he steals the show. Also, Simon Pegg does a pretty good job as James Holiday's right-hand man, who was... They, they did dumb down his role, but it still was engaging and intriguing to see him. I wish there was more scenes with him. So, the music also, very, very 80s, and it fit this film so much because it's so nostalgic. Um, I mean, it opens up with Van Halen's jump. And, you know, the massive fight scene, there's some really good music playing. I don't want to spoil it, 
they did remove a lot of some of the issues that people had with the book. For example, in the book, Parsival and this other Gunter, uh, Egg Hunter, Artemis become, they start to have a thing going on. I don't want to spoil too much with their situation, but in the book, they make it that it becomes stalkerish at one point. But he gets the girl. This film fixes that. It makes it more understandable why they end up being in this weird relationship thing and why he is not, they're just two damaged people working together to just, they fall in love because they're damaged in a weird sort of way. Cause in this dystopian world, it's you're either living in the oasis or you're trying to survive in this weird post. That's not even post-apocalyptic. It's just dystopian future. Yeah. Well, there were, you know, stuff happened. They referenced stuff happens. Things happen to people. You know, the world is what it is, but, um, no, it was good. I highly recommend it, and if you have a chance, watch it. Now, if you probably didn't notice, I did not put any music in this episode, because I could not get a license for any of the songs in this, so... But the actual movie has enough music to make up for it. If they have a soundtrack, I highly recommend buying it. So, anyway, with that in mind, I think that's it for this episode. Uh, so, check out Ray Player One. It's a fun film. It's a lot of fun. T.J. Miller steals the show. The art is great, the characters are great, and it's a nice adaptation of a really good book. Some people say it's a really garbage book, but I disagree. I think it's a good book, except for the opening of the book, which I have a theological issue with. But I, I say clap-worthy. The end of the show, if you're not clapping, you didn't see it the right way. We'll do a proper review when I actually review the book itself on the podcast. Uh, we are releasing a couple more episodes, including tomorrow. We do have an episode coming out that's going to be a lot of fun. And if you are in Boston... Here is what our schedule is going to be. Tomorrow, March 31st, no, 30th, yep. at 1.30 in room 311 in the Heinz Convention Center at Anime Boston. We are going to be doing May the Force Be With You, Star Wars Influence on Anime, and then at 9.30 p.m. in room 311 also, Greta and I will be running... 20 sci-fi manga recommendations for grown-ups. Now on Saturday, the 31st, here's what our lineup is going to be. At 6.30 p.m., we are... It's, it is 6.30, yeah. 6.30 p.m. in room 309, we will be running Journey to the Stars, anime and manga's Journey from Earth to Space. It's an old panel, but it's very relevant, especially now, especially in a sci-fi panel, because... The theme of Anime Boston is science fiction, so we're kind of sucking on that, enjoying it, and just embracing it. And at midnight on the 31st into the 1st, we're going to be doing From Under the Bed Horror and Anime and Manga <laughs> Sci-Fi Edition in Room 306. And finally, in Panel Room C at 1 o'clock in... Or actually, it's 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock in... Panel Room C on the 1st of April. We are going to, an Easter Sunday, we are going to be... No joke. ...doing... Uh, Captains, Cowgirls, and Cyborgs, Memorable Women of Sci-Fi, Anime, and Manga. So we're going to talk about some of the greats, from the Major, to Faye Valentine, to even Sanoshi from... Not giving any Red lines. Away. Some of them are pretty badass, just saying. A couple of them are. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Remember, you can email me at zanspirekin.com, X-A-N, at S-P-R-A-K-N. 
and check out any of our episodes at www.spyarkin.com. With that in mind, we are Gonsville. We will catch you guys next time. See ya! Yeah.